welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we seek to clarify, amplify, and apply the Sunday morning sermon at Grace Community Church. From time to time, we'll address other topics. We hope these podcasts help you press the Word of God into your everyday life. Well, good afternoon. Today is September the 11th, and I'm with Scott Patty for a Words of Grace podcast. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon. How are you doing today, sir? I'm well. We were just reminding ourselves it's September 11. Yeah. 22 years ago Mm -hmm. is when the attacks on uh, New York happened and Mm -hmm. two hours Pentagon and then another plane that Mm -hmm. crashed. And Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think that's a long time ago. Yeah. 22 years. Mm -hmm. Changed. Changed a lot of things. Changed changed the world. Changed our country for sure. Change a lot of things, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, definitely, you know, I know there's a lot of people probably a little bit weightier than others. Maybe they have mm-hmm. friends that were there or mm-hmm. maybe people that even they know that died. And so, yeah, it's a, it's well, a day for, We have a lot to be grateful for today to be here. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. A lot of people sacrificed their lives on that mm-hmm. day. And so, yeah, it's a good day to remember. So, mm-hmm. um, well, want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the sermon yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in Isaiah chapter six and mm-hmm. we read the whole thing. We kind of did one sermon on Isaiah six, the first part, uh, two weeks ago. And then last week you spent time on the whole chapter. So if you will, for the podcast, maybe those that listen and weren't able to listen to the sermon, can you give us a little bit of a, an outline of the sermon? Yeah. And I guess since last week was a holiday, that's right. Monday, we didn't even have we didn't a podcast. We talk about Isaiah so, six. So yeah, well, Isaiah six, we did two sermons mm-hmm. uh, out of it. And the first one was more of a historical a contextual sermon about uh, King Uzziah. Mm-hmm. It was um, Isaiah six took place. The vi- Isaiah's vision took place in the year that King Uzziah died. Uh, so that was from Second Chronicles twenty six, and we talked about King Uzziah. We contrasted yeah. him with the true King God, and we also contrasted him in his response to God. Uh, contrasted that with Isaiah's. So I would encourage people if they want to, yeah. you know, if they didn't hear that, go back and listen to that. Then this past Sunday we did Isaiah six again. This time focusing more on the message of God to His people through Isaiah, and mm-hmm. then the then the calling of Isaiah and, right. and his experience with God's grace uh, to call him. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the one of the key points we we raised in the second part of that, that how God raised up Isaiah was that Isaiah serves as a pattern for okay. us. Uh, and he, he had his own unique experience with the Lord, but his experience provides a, some insight in, into um, conversion mm-hmm. to faith in Christ, calling, uh, the calling of the church, the calling of the Christian mm-hmm. and the calling of the church to, to uh, take the message. And mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was yesterday. Isaiah 6, the yeah. famous Isaiah 6 chapter. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to ask you is, is, you know, talking a little bit about kind of your outline, you know, within the reading of Isaiah 6 in the text, there seems to be, as you were teaching that yesterday and preaching that, that there's a pattern there mm-hmm. for the gospel. So I kind of want to, I know this sounds maybe very simple, but I think it's helpful for us to be clear, but can we spend some time to talk about like, what is the gospel? Yeah. And, and, and maybe even looking at Isaiah, how we see that pattern reflect the gospel. So, mm-hmm. and let's just talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, what is the gospel? Where do we see that in Isaiah 6? And let's let's kind of unpack that a little bit. Okay. Um, I think one thing I would say right off the bat is that, um, that yes, we can say that Isaiah, his experience provides a pattern for us, but we have to be careful that we don't <clears throat> assume that, that his experience has to be our experience in the details or, right. you know, in, okay. uh, yeah. And in the timing and that sort of thing, right. um, you know, because his was it. very close. Yeah, he's a vision. He's he's yeah. seeing a vision of the Lord. All this takes place in a vision. Mm-hmm. I think about the Apostle Paul. You know, we love his his 
conversion story. We love when he came to to see Christ. It's, it's very similar if you you know if you think about it. There's a vision. He has a vision of Christ. Mm-hmm. Paul does, and Isaiah has a vision of the Lord. Um, there's kind of a there's kind of a knocking down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of a submission of the will uh, by this vision, and then there's a responsiveness of faith and of going. So they, they have similar experiences, and they can serve. They can give us a bit of a pattern, but we just have to make sure we don't try to um, have the same experience. That yeah. that's up to the Lord. Uh, an individual's uh, how an individual experiences the work of God's grace in their life is is up to the Lord, not up to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And so if we can just start with that, then we can maybe look at the pattern without pressing it too right. far. But yes, I think it is. So real quick, um, we yesterday we drew out, I think, five parts of this pattern uh, that, that may be showing us something about conversion and, and, and mm-hmm. the call and the gospel. One was a loss of hope. Yeah. Uh, and so the year that King Uzziah died, uh, Judah and Israel wanted king they wanted a king they wanted somebody to guide them and lead them they wanted to be like the other nations and their kings were failures they they, even the good kings failed in some way right regardless of whether they were good or bad kings they all died yeah and so that can be likened to a death a death of a place that we put our hope Mm -hmm. and um you know every person so the gospel starts out (laughs) with maybe not so good news telling us there's there's no place to put your hope. Yeah. Except the Lord. Yeah. Um, you move on in Isaiah, you know, the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Yeah. And so he sees the holiness of God. Yeah. I encourage people to go back and read that again and read those yeah. first four verses or so, four or five verses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said yesterday, we could just keep on and on and on trying to stack layer and layer and layer of, of language to try to describe the holiness of God. Right. And we, we kind of never get there. Yeah. Um, holy, holy, holy is the way mm-hmm. the seraphim put it to Isaiah. Yeah. I think the gospel at some point is recognizing that, that there is a holy God mm-hmm. before whom we stand. Right. With whom we have to do. Yeah. And in light of what you just said about who we are mm-hmm. and how we try to replace God. Yeah. With all of these with other. With a false hope. Yeah. Uh, false hope. Now it's like in light of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's God. Yeah. Um, so I think it's easy for us to, in, our, in any kind of presentation of the gospel, um, run straight to the solution mm-hmm. without backing up and, and, and uh, outlining, you know, diagnosing the problem. Right. The problem is that there is a holy God mm-hmm. with whom we have to do, before mm-hmm. whom we stand, before who we stand. There's a holy God. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. And, you know, again, not to put down our, our the way we worship the Lord and enjoy, um, we should, but in the Bible, when people experienced the holiness of God this way, it, it wasn't in a highly celebrative, you know, uh, upbeat kind of way. They all fell before the Lord. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Moses afraid of the bush, right? You know Isaiah saying, mm-hmm. "Woe is me!" Yeah. Peter falling down before the Lord at in the boat when he calmed the the mm-hmm. waters and saying, "Depart from me." Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a sinner. So, you know, after we see the holiness of God, another part of this pattern is it it causes us to be undone. Mm. 
we would call that the conviction of sin. That, that's a part of the gospel. It's a part of the whole, whole picture of the gospel. It's the context in which the good news comes. Again, the good news is not appreciated until you understand why it's needed, right. which is there's bad news. Before mm-hmm. a holy God, we stand, as Isaiah said, sinners, lost, undone, unclean. Yeah. So uh, to some extent, we don't want to press anybody else's experience on others, right. but to some extent, the gospel is the presentation of sin, and to some extent, everyone must feel it. it, it back up. I said to some extent. Remove the first one. The gospel is the message of sinfulness before God, and to some extent, conviction sets in. Others feel it more deeply, but right, everybody right, knows right. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. So the vision goes on. Uh, the seraphim, they, one of them takes a, a burning coal from the altar. Picture that. It's <laughs> coming from God. <laughs> Direct, you know, from God through this seraphim to touch Isaiah's mouth and cleanse him. Hmm. And he says, You're a sin, your sin is atoned for. <laughs> so there's the gospel. Yeah. There's the gospel. That, that God in his grace, from him, divinely initiated, divinely planned, divinely provided, he brings about a means of cleansing yeah. of our sins. Mm-hmm. And it's seen in the vision as a burning coal from the altar of God. Right, and we know as the as the redemptive history unfolds, that cleansing comes from the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. and it is through that death, by that death, in our place for our sin, faith in Him, that we are cleansed. Yeah, it it touches us at the core of our being. We're forgiven, mm-hmm. and at that point, we are free. Yeah, we're transformed. We're liberated now to respond to the commands of God, the call of God to go. Yeah. So I think that's one way that yeah. we can, I mean, that, that's one place, yeah. Isaiah's vision, that we can actually yeah. see the gospel. Yeah. Let me, let me ask this for, like, follow-up question, and, and maybe we'll be done for the day, but, but why is it so helpful for us to get a good, clear definition of the gospel? Like, why do you think for us as a church, as individual Christians, to to really understand that that basic but very powerful mm-hmm. definition of what is the gospel? To be saved. Yeah. If we don't know the gospel, we won't believe in the right thing. Mm-hmm. If the gospel is presented to us as anything that has to do with us, our merit, our ability. Yeah. If the gospel is even presented to us in a way that automatically defines what we will mm-hmm. look like after we come to faith in Christ and we don't quite measure up. Even that could be uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a weight and a burden. We could start trusting the outcome before we're trusting Christ. Yeah. So why do we need to be very clear that the gospel is the message of what God himself provides for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can be reconciled to God? And that's something that he provides is the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh to wash us of our sins. If, if we don't get that, then we're going to put our hope somewhere. Yeah. And it will be somewhere else and we won't be saved. Right. Um, so that's that's one reason. And then another reason is, as Christians, we need to keep coming back to what the heart of the mm-hmm. gospel is, yeah. reconciliation to God through faith in Jesus Christ, yeah. so that we live freely and not uh, bound up, Yeah. Uh, not stepping back again into Right. Those things that uh, that once bound us up called legalism or, um, you know, that sort of thing. Another reason is because the Lord gives his gospel through his church. Mm-hmm. He told Isaiah to go. 
yeah. preach a, preach a message. Right. Again, the the details are, are different, but he's telling his church to go preach a message. Well, what message are we going to preach to other people? Right. The gospel. Yeah. Um. And 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 if we don't have the gospel, if we think it's Christ plus, yeah, then that's what we're going to say to people. Right. And then they won't believe. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to that that clip. You and I have seen it. Um, I'm sure we. Uh, we don't listen to a lot, but every now and then you and I talk about Martin Lloyd-Jones clips. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there was one I heard the other day, and he's being interviewed, and a guy says, you know, what, what is the greatest need of the church today? And Lloyd-Jones, without hesitation, said, the greatest need of the church today is to make sure it understands its message. Hmm. And the message is Christ. We preach Christ yeah. and Him crucified. Mm-hmm. He is the cleansing power. Yeah. Not us, not ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not Christ plus, mm-hmm. um, you know. Not not even the effects of becoming a Christian. Not even the, not even the places we want to go sanct- in sanctification. That that's not the ultimate hope. Mm-hmm. The ultimate hope is in Christ and Christ alone, who cleanses us of our sin like a burning coal from the altar of the temple. Yeah, is Christ sent from heaven to die on the cross mm-hmm. for our sins, that through faith in Him we might be forgiven and cleansed and reconciled to God. Yeah, that is the message. Yeah. I think, too, you know, even reading Isaiah and even just hearing you talk about the gospel as you reference Isaiah, as it did Isaiah, I think the more even as Christians we rehearse the gospel, remember the gospel, and like you said, you're going to remember the the bad part of it, which mm-hmm. is we're sinful and we're rebellious, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that should automatically humble us. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think by hearing that, I mean, I'm even hearing you talk about it, and it's just humbling me, like... Mm-hmm. Who am I to walk around and 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 see like I am anything yeah. apart from Christ? Yeah. Like you know, Paul said, "I'm going to make my boast in the cross." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think it, it definitely has. If a, if a church is rehearsing the gospel and really meditating on it, it mm-hmm. really should create humbly sent ones out into the world mm-hmm. of saying, "I'm bringing a message that's not my own. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm living out knowing that this is not my doing." Yeah. Yeah. We yes. I'm thinking back to Isaiah, and I haven't played this out in my mind, so I'll, I'll try it out, and then I'll retract <laughs> it if it doesn't work. But the idea of, of burning, yeah. um, the seraphim are the burning ones. Mm-hmm. The coal that they took from the altar was a burning coal. Mm-hmm. It touched Isaiah, and when that happened, Isaiah became a burning one. Mm-hmm. He was burning with passion mm-hmm. to, to obey God. Yeah. And to be God's servant. Here, here I am. Send me. Yeah. What motivates? What? What? What makes a Christian's heart burn mm-hmm. for Christ and for service to Christ? Mm-hmm. It is only Christ. Right. It's Christ. Yeah. It's it's the death of Jesus Christ on mm-hmm. the cross. Yeah. In our place, it's the resurrection of Jesus of Jesus Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. It's Christ. Mm-hmm. That that becomes that affection, that burning love and affection, so that He and He alone makes our hearts burn, mm-hmm. so that we want to love Him and obey Him and preach the gospel mm-hmm. and see other people come to faith because we're burning for Christ. Right. So I like that burning image that goes through Isaiah six. I didn't pick up too much on that on Sunday, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm not going to retract it. I think that does work. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for helping us uh, talk through what the gospel is and how we clearly define it. And thank you again for Isaiah 6, and we'll yeah. be in Isaiah 7. That's next. Okay, <laughs> sounds great. 